all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Good morning. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Morning edition. <laughs> yes, uh, what do we got here? Ugh. 7.45 in the morning hey, edition. Hey, um, we've never recorded this early. No. I think maybe late afternoon is the earliest we've ever recorded. Probably. Yeah. Um, the reason being, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a new position at work, so yay. I do, yes. That you like better. Much better. Which is good, um, but it involves swing shifts. It involves <laughs> overnights. So yeah. the past two nights I have worked... Six at night to six thirty in the morning. So, so you just got home. I did. So for me, this is um, the this evening. Is, this is like night for me, even though <laughs> this it's morning is for still everybody. Still very else. much like morning for me. So, what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking a truly hard seltzer because <laughs> that's seven forty-five in the morning. That's all we got. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go to bed in an hour anyway. Yeah. So, yep, because it's your night, and I am drinking cold brew coffee with almond milk because. <laughs> It's 7.45 in the morning for me, and I'm going into work. There you go. <laughs> so, this has been such an odd week. We got mm-hmm. home Wednesday night from mm-hmm. Vegas, which we'll talk more about in a bit. And uh, then I started the research, which this is going to be a little bit of a different episode, which I'm also going to talk about in a, in a bit. And then you start on your overnights Friday night, and now it's Sunday morning, and this episode comes out tomorrow. This is just very mm-hmm. odd. I feel very off kilter. It'll, it'll be coming out while I'm at work. <laughs> yes. You can be one of the first people to listen to it. So. I won't be able to, but anyway. Oh, you are not able to listen as much to stuff in your new not position? Really, yeah. No. Yeah. Not as much. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, more active, more work that requires communication. Uh, well, that and and I'm, you're training. That's true. Yeah. I'm training, and that I'm in uh, fairly dangerous areas of the plant. Oh, yep. Better so, not to be distracted. So not a good idea to be walking around with headphones Mm-mm. in. Um, basically, the area I work in now is all hard hat. I was gonna take um, I was gonna take pictures of it tonight because, especially at night, um, it looks like <laughs> the area I work in looks like. Um, the first Freddy Krueger movie, which oh, wow. for some reason is escaping me the name of it. Uh, Nightmare, Nightmare, Na- yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, where I work looks like the boiler room where Freddy Krueger hangs out. And That's it's a little, creepy. It's a little creepy at yeah. night. And there's all sorts of weird sounds and shit that happen, so... I'm not sure you should, though, because it's probably not okay to take oh, no, pictures I, of Yeah, uh, I, I decided not to. Yeah, yeah I decided yeah. not to. I might um, take some just to show you. Okay. But yeah. I, would, I wouldn't put them out there. <laughs> no, no. Um, so follow us, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, at All Bad Things Pod. Um, and we've gotten a couple, I wanted, I told you about these, uh, we got a couple really cool, um, well, first of all, everybody's messages are great. Thank you very much. Always feel free to reach out. Oh, and you can email us to allbadthingspod at gmail. Um, but we got a couple especially cool Instagram messages that I wanted to share. Okay. So um, we got one from our listener, Irina. Like is this a DM or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, a message, exactly. Um, and this this might be one of my favorite 
uh, messages ever for a reason that will become apparent. So it's very short. I am listening to your episode about the love parade. I was there with my friend who unfortunately is one of the victims. No. I liked how you explained everything in your episode. Thank you, Irina. Wow. Isn't that amazing? In uh, the worst way possible, I guess. But. Uh, yes, yes. Um, what uh, the reason that might be one of my favorite messages is because we try really hard to be respectful of the victims of these disasters, um, be accurate mm-hmm. in the information we're giving, and make sure um, we're clear that we're never blaming victims. No, too. absolutely not. And that was a right, that was a but but that happens in a lot of these disasters, right? Like Hillsboro and Love Parade. Remember they tried oh, to I, on people? I see what you mean by them like the media or yeah, police. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to lay blame on victims. Uh, and and that was I uh, I'm especially I guess moved by Irina reaching out because she had to, the fact that she could even listen to I that know, is pretty I, amazing. I, I doubt I could listen to something like that if I'd been through something like yeah, that. Yeah, that would be really, really difficult. So, um, <laughs> it's like, what's there to listen to? I lived it. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> you know? part of it could be, well, hope, let me make sure they're getting this right, you know? I guess, yeah. Like making sure that the, the story is accurate and correct. So, um, the fact that she was there and said we, she liked how we described it, that's a lot. That means. Yes. Um, a lot, because it means we we're, got it right. We're very sorry we had to describe... Well, that's, yeah. Uh, ...this tragedy. And that's that why I responded rather. to her. You know, basically, I was just like, I'm I'm so sorry about your friend and that you had to go through that. That's just incredibly traumatic. And and that's potentially the f- that I can recall the first connection to a victim. I, th- I think so. A, a witness or, or somebody who's involved and a victim. So that's just, that's just horrible. And that's the thing that's important to remember. Like it's easy to sort of hashtag body count all this, but every single person who dies in any one of these tragedies is someone's friend Mm -hmm. and many people's friend and someone's, you know, son or daughter or child or, um, or parent or grandparent or niece, nephew, whatever, um, cousin, they these are these are actual people, and that's especially when we get into huge body counts. It's hard to kind of keep that in mind that every single one of those people is a person and, with and, a life. And that was surprisingly for what happened a rather small body count. Mm-hmm. If we were to describe everything and then let people guess. make a guess, yeah. I'm sure people would have said hundreds of people died. Yeah. That's what I would have said. Oh, yes. And hundreds of people were injured, yes. which is... And I don't know if Irina was injured or not. Um, hopefully everything I think, is... I think kind of everybody was. If well, she, traumatized at yeah. the very least. If she was so. with somebody who passed away, there's a pretty good chance yeah. that she was probably injured herself. And that's the not. other part is the survivors, the, the trauma... Of living the, the, through something the guilt like that, too. yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, that's a real thing. It is, yes. It's called survivor's guilt. There's no there's no logical reason for it, but that's it, as it, uh, what I'm saying is survivors should not need to feel guilty because that's not within their control. But it is understandable too. So, yeah. But yeah. But anyway, thank you, Irina. That yes for for listening for reaching out. That is. Um, that's a big thing, and we appreciate it very much. And we are 
Very, very sorry. Um, then another message we got uh, by our listener Frankie um, is super fun because we've had several people uh, willing to do research, right? We read oh, Abby's. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've, we've covered several um, disasters that people have done, either contributed or completely done the research for, which we've mentioned. We still have some waiting in the wings. Yes, we do. So that we will get to. Um, but Frankie reached out and uh, said, I have a super serious offer. I am an archivist and historian, and I'm currently studying to get my degree in reference librarianship and archival studies, which just sounds super hardcore, like history preservation stuff. It sounds like um, it sounds like the building. It sounds like that person's eventually going to work in the building where they stored the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> right, right. Well, she lived, or I shouldn't say, I shouldn't make. Assumptions. I apologize. Frankie says, I also live in D.C., which means I have access to the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. National Archives, and many more dope research that institutions. That must be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. She says, or I'm sorry, Frankie says, I research disasters for, quote, fun anyway. <laughs> um, but I am looking to get more directed research experience for my career. I would be super down to help you all do research for your podcast. We'd be super down <laughs> for it, too. Yes. And um, Frankie said, just let me know if ever there's something you need done. Frankie, anything you want. <laughs> Please, any, go Any disaster for it. you want to do, do <laughs> That the we research, haven't covered, go for it. Send it to us. And That's we, amazing. Remember, if you do the research and send it to us, you have a 110% chance. Of it getting covered eventually, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And the fact that Frankie is, <clears throat> this is Frankie's career. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, obviously, Frankie knows what Frankie is doing. (laughs) Frankie, say relax. (laughs) Is that a song? That is is an 80s reference to a song called Relax, Don't Do It. Oh, Relax. By by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, okay. And at the time, that was was at the time, like in the late 80s, of the oversized shirts. Mm. That kind of bled into the early 90s, too, I remember. Yes. But Uh uh, I remember... Um, there are all these shirts, all these people wearing, teenagers wearing shirts that said, Frankie, say relax. Okay. I just, I just remember that for some reason. It's weird. You can probably look it up on Google. <laughs> that song was featured in Zoolander. It's been featured in a lot of movies. But it was pivotal to Zoolander because it was his Manchurian candidate trigger to kill, um, the designer. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I guess it, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen that movie in so long. It's been a long time. Orange Mocha Frappuccino. That was, that was one of my, uh. In my heyday of young teenagership, young movies. teenagership, along with Corky Romano, Night at the Roxbury, all those SNL of heyday of the '90s movies. So, ah, oh, all right. Oh, here's another thing that's throwing me off. I didn't print this research because I just finished it last night and couldn't get back to the office to print it because you had the car. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading this off an iPad. My iPad, specifically, not just a random one. Um, just found one. I just found an iPad. and But honestly, I should switch to the iPad to stop printing and wasting paper and ink. Um, well, although people well, we can't. Like I was going to say, we can't send people iPads, now can we? Well, we can print out the scripts <laughs> and then sign them and send them. So Sending people iPads get really expensive. <laughs> uh, scripts are still available, by the way. We do still send them out. So... 
this is a little bit of a different episode. This is going to be a little bit more of a history episode than a the bulk of what we'll be talking about is history versus the tragic part of it. Um, But we wanted to cover this because, first of all, there is definitely a tragic element to it. And second of all, we just went to the Hoover Dam. Oh, okay. Yes, we did. I told you about that. what this was going to be. I, I... Well, you've been a I've little been out of it. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yes. So... Y- you kind of already knew, but this is the story of building the I, Hoover Dam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, there were, as we saw on the plaque. Yes, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. But so we went to Vegas for ten days, which everyone we told we were going to Las Vegas for ten They're like, days. That's way too long. <laughs> They're like, "What?" I actually think it was perfect. I th- I did too. I I thought that I would hate Las Vegas, or at least not like it. I thought it was going to be seedy and gross. Um, and Fremont Street was. <laughs> see, I didn't see it that way. Really? No. Well, you were also high at the time. I was, I was not. Yes. <laughs> um, it's legal in Nevada, by the way. That's why it's okay to say that. Um, well, it's decriminalized in this state, so it's still okay. It's not fully decriminalized. I thought it was. No. Oh, well, whatever. No. Um, our state uh, senator has a bill out there to increase the. Uh, amount you can hold and it and have it not be a, a criminal uh, or a felony or what? No, it's just a misdemeanor or just a, like a traffic ticket. We have a lawyer who listens named Alex who has binged us. So maybe she can clarify. Anyway. Um, Look up our state laws, Alex. <laughs> but um, I thought Fremont Street was super gross and seedy. <laughs> But the strip was gorgeous. It was. Unfortunately, it was a hundred and something degrees every single day. The day we got there was 111. It was super hot. I mean, it is the desert. But I I will say it. It was gorgeous. Having grown up in Miami and then lived in the south most of my life, it, it is true that there is a difference between a dry heat and humidity. Oh, God, yeah. Majorly, my hands didn't swell up. I had this weird pain in my finger, like almost an arthritis sort of feeling that went away. <laughs> Hasn't returned, so That's thank good. you. I know that um, Ariel, one of our pod friends who hosts Midnight Under the Mur- uh, wait Murder Under the Midnight, Midnight Sun, Sun, thank you, um, lives in Alaska, mm-hmm. but she has um, some health issues. I think pertaining to like inflammation and of the body and autoimmune mm-hmm. issues. And she has, she frequently visits the desert. She's in Palm Springs now, I believe. Oh. Um, because it helps, it like helps he basically heal her body. The environment can be, you know, just super, uh, influential on your body without you even realizing. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, was very hot, but it was different, a different type of heat. But one of our uh, bucket list items for Vegas was visiting the Hoover Absolutely. Dam. It's one of those sightseeing things. That, that uh, was the that was the second item on my bucket list. <laughs> well, the first was going to the dispensary, which <laughs> <Yes>. we did <laughs> a couple times. We went to two different ones. It spent $250. I like the first one a lot better. Um, but yes, but it was... But the guy was really nice at the second oh, one. Oh, no. I mean, they were both great places, but... 
like everything at the first place we went to was on display. It was Toys R Us for for weed. weed. <laughs> yes, it was. And I could have. I could have. Planet thirteen. Yes. Yeah. It was I, the Walmart or Supermart of. Uh, well, as the as our Uber Lyft person described it, the Disneyland of. Uh, yes. Which was a pretty apt description because yeah. there was literally everything there, and I could have spent all day there. Yeah, I know you were like a kid. <laughs> if I was, candy if store. I was not with you, I would have been there for like hours. I know. I know. Because um, I, for one thing, I just never thought, like, when I was growing up, like, the whole culture around uh, smoking weed and stuff really changed. It did a complete 180. Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, it was all about, you know, say no to drugs right. and all this. The and then Nancy Reagan era. Yes. And then by the time anybody had any sense, it was like, yeah, fuck that. Like, I, I want to do drugs. This is... <laughs> it, to be clear... This is, this is Messina, New York. What else am I supposed to do? To be clear... If you are doing coke, meth, heroin, pills, that's that's extreme. Get shit. help. Yeah, that is not okay. No, it's it's not good for you. It we can and very well could kill you. So get help. Um, weed. <laughs> Just do it, as well, they say with Nike. No, it's not. It's I not, do not. It's, here's, it's not. It's not for everybody, and that's fine. Well, nor should it be. And and the other thing is I'm not pro-smoking weed because that is not good for your lungs. Nope. Um, So eat it. (laughs) Yes. I much preferred, if I was to do it all over again, I would have bought much less of the flour, as the cool kids Uh call it today, uh and more of the edibles because I I really did enjoy the edibles. Yeah, I was cool with the edibles, edibles too, and they did have vegan ones. Yes. (laughs) There you go. um, Also, under 25 don't do it, period. It fucks with your brain. I've told you this before, Abby. <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling out Singling Abby. Out her I have no out idea if she, she participates. <laughs> anyway, anyone under 25, I think that includes Emily. Just, But I think she's a teetotaler anyway. So anyway, <laughs> we've gotten way too far down the weed path. <laughs> um, anyway. So Boulder Dam, we decided to go on a guided tour. Yeah, it was really the best way to do it. We did. We weren't renting a car. No. We could lift out there, but no one would no come one to get us back because uh, it's about a half hourish outside of Vegas. Yeah, in the desert, in the middle of like, freaking nowhere, the desert. We'll talk about Boulder City in here. Um, but so that was. Uh, if if anyone goes to Vegas, I do recommend going there, and I I recommend at least having a tour. Of the power plant, which is done by the Bureau of Reclamation, which we'll, we'll get into as well. Um, but the even the the bus ride and everything, we did, a, I think it was Comedy on Deck mm-hmm. was the name. I, I had a pretty good experience. Yeah. I would say that was a, the yeah, tour was guide fun. was nice. Yeah. He was a, a little hokey, but I think that's kind of part of it was that it was supposed to be slightly stand-up-ish, mm-hmm. you know. But he was really nice. And... Interesting information, at least mildly entertaining, um, air-conditioned bus ride, all that. So that that was um, good. But and and it's a it's a solid day trip too. It took about six six seven hours, probably something like seven that. hours. So, I would say, yeah. So yeah, but it that it was, worth was it. what it needed to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Now that we've bantered for 20 minutes, oh, wow. which, I guess we have. which um, according to iTunes, people either love or hate us for, we have almost equal numbers of one and five star reviews for that reason. Um, let's get into it. So 
Between 1931 and 1936, the Boulder Dam, later renamed the Hoover Dam, was built on the border of Arizona and Nevada in the United States. Though considered one of the major American feats of engineering and construction, the dangerous nature of the work of building the dam caused the deaths of at least 112 people, more likely several hundred. And we'll get into the sort of the death count and why that's, or the body count and why that's um, not easy to pin down. So, uh, I just literally said all this. Sometimes I say shit that's that I wrote out in the script and just need to um not do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Gloss over. I'm sorry, I just woke up. <laughs> this is so bizarre. Um so but the reason this is a little bit of an odd topic, like I said, it's mostly gonna be about the history with um n- more a little more information about the deaths involved um but one of the reasons i wanted to cover it is because of the legacy of the hoover dam it's a tourist destination it it, Mm -hmm. which we were two of the tourists who went um it's seen as this major american landmark but rarely do we stop and think about uh, and and People talk about the cost of it financially, but mm-hmm. it costs lives. Oh yeah, you know, and that's uh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And also, one of those things where you sit and reflect: is it worth the human lives? I would say no, but let's get into this anyway. So, we'll start with our geography corner, and then proceed to our very long history corner. Uh, so, the site of what is now known as the Hoover Dam is on the border between the states of Nevada and Arizona, or Nevada, depending on how you pronounce it, in the southwestern part of the United States in Black Canyon, which is a canyon between the El Dorado Mountains on the west and the Black Mountains on the east. I did not know it was actually on the border. No, Um, I didn't until we got there. Yeah, because I had never been to Arizona, but now I... Now you have. You've had like a toe in there. I technically have, yeah, exactly, because like half of it is on the Nevada side, half on the Arizona side. So two new states down for me. I think I'm up to like 30, 30, 35, something like that. Yeah. So... I think I was at 24. Yeah, 25 or 26. Something like that. Anyway, we counted, but... uh, So the, the dam spans the Colorado River, or Colorado River again on how you pronounce it the main portion of which run so the main portion of the colorado river runs from north northern central colorado hence the name colorado river southwest through utah into arizona through the grand canyon along the border between arizona and nevada which is where the dam is then along the border between Arizona and California, which is part of the border mm-hmm. of, of those two states. Um, you like the how the states got their shape, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yes. part of uh, Rivers are often yes. borders. So, And finally, into the Gulf of California, after a short jaunt between Baja, California, and Sonora, Mexico. Um, and that's where the Gulf of California is, is between the um, peninsula of Baja, California, which is part of Mexico, even though it's called Baja, California, and uh, Sonora. And then the Gulf of California leads into the Pacific Ocean. So the entire river runs, any guesses? Total uh, miles. Sh- 
If you had to take a wild. 1,500? Uh, you almost nailed it. 1,450. That's probably oh, your yeah, closest that's, guess. That's by far my closest guess. Yeah, except you went over. So on the price yeah, is right, you went over. <laughs> that, that rule makes... I've never it, it understood that. No, I don't get it either. The closest without going over. Okay, the answer is seven. I chose eight. The other person chose one. Oh, you went over. Yeah, that's it, super that's weird. It's never made any sense to me. Yeah, me neither. It's stupid. And then there are the jerks who say... Uh, $1,501 if somebody else guessed 1500 and that's just cock-blocking. Or there's just the in. asshole that just, a dollar. One dollar. Yeah, because they think everyone else <laughs> over. So 1,450 miles, which is 2,330 kilometers. We will have so much conversion today. <laughs> uh, it's a hugely important water source for a large portion of the mountain states in southwest United States. Yes, um, very Especially important. considering it runs through desert, mm-hmm. where there's not much rainfall. So, no. <laughs> hence the term desert. So, for anyone who may not know or be too familiar with U.S. history, the West in general was one of the later parts of the country to be colonized and developed by the United States. So, until about 1800, the Appalachian Mountains, which are just a little west of here in Raleigh, and we are very much on the East Coast, was considered the West. west. Yeah, Yeah. as we got. That is amazing. Sorry, computer. There we go. Weird random thing came up. All right. So, yeah, can you imagine the Appalachian Mountains were the, quote, Well, I mean, there there was a time when it was. Yeah, yeah. Before the Louisiana Purchase. Well, let's get into that a little bit. So, now, of course, the western U.S. has been populated for millennia um, just by indigenous peoples, as with the rest of the country. We don't count that. Unfortunately, we don't. And, you know, it's a really sick thing that America still has not really dealt with how horrible (laughs) we have been. And certainly were in the past and continue to be to people who were here well before us. Well, and that's really shitty. Don't hold your breath for anybody with any sort of responsibility actually dealing with that. Yeah. Which, uh, talk about like restitution, um, which is something that's come up uh, for uh, people of African American descent. Uh, because of slavery, yeah, we've we've fucked over a lot of people. There's a lot of people we owe a lot of shit to. Of every so. race, creed, and color, and religion. Yep, basically. I mean, uh, it, we've had internment camps <laughs> of American it's citizens. True. Our possible greatest president ever put people in internment camps. Yeah. <laughs> so if that was the greatest, yeah. <laughs> we kind of suck. Well, you know, and at the same time, our uh, last president, Barack Obama, um, won a Nobel Pre- Peace Prize and also had a kill list. So I've always wondered if he used the Nobel Peace Prize as a paperweight for the kill list. <sighs> and our current president tears parents away from kids, just literally leaving them alone and uh, also puts a whole bunch of people in concentration camps in the United States. Go America. Yeah, I think we just lost a lot of listeners, but oh well. Do you know that we got a one-star <laughs> review for dogging on Cleveland? Did we? Yeah. I didn't dog on Cleveland. <laughs> Apparently this person I, thought we did. I just happened to have done three episodes about disasters in Cleveland. <laughs> I'm sorry that they have been there so often. <laughs> well... Somebody from Cleveland really yeah. hates us. Well, hey, the Browns might be good this year. So there you go. Oh, so might the Bills. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So 
In the South, so indigenous peoples in the Southwest, or more specifically the Great Basin area, which is the area between the Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. um, which run from Canada through Idaho, yes. Utah, New Mexico, and the Sierra Nevada Mountains, which run along the eastern border of California. Mm-hmm. So in that, between those areas, the Great Basin, some of the native people included the, Mo- I hope I'm pronouncing all these right, Mono, Paiute, Bannock, Shoshone, Ute, Pueblo, and Goshute. Sounds good to me. Mm. Uh, so, the, obviously, many, many, and there are many more tribes than that. The, the Utes is the name of the University of Utah's uh, collegiate team. Oh, do they have a the horribly racist um, no, it's, it's the Utes, uh, the native mascot? Trend. I don't know about like that. The, well, <laughs> we, just, let's not get into that. No, That's a whole other thing. I'm just saying forms. the University of Utah. Their His nickname is the, the Utes. Utes. Okay. <laughs> what exactly is a Ute? A Ute. The two <laughs> These Utes. These two Utes. From my cousin Vinny, anyway. Um, Some, right. Somebody's a bit punchy at 8 o'clock in the well, morning. Well, also, remember, I'm drinking Oh, that's right. You're coffee, getting, uh, that's so. right. You're getting cold brew. Cranked up on caffeine, too. Bing, bing, bing. All right. So earlier, yeah, this is a very different experience than Rachel on alcohol. This is Rachel on caffeine. Enjoy, everybody. Early European settlers began colonizing the the West and the Southwest in the 1500s, including Spanish conquistador Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. Now, we did cover some of the Spanish colonization of this area in our Cucolizzi episode. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. So, if you want a little more information about that, uh, that will be in that episode. So, in 1803, the U.S. completed exactly what you alluded to in a little bit ago, the Louisiana Purchase Mm -hmm. from the French Republic for $15 million, Mm -hmm. which is about $250 million today, um, which is a bargain. That's a pretty huge bargain. uh, Because, so that that started really the U.S. westward expansion. Yes. Now, the the Louisiana Territory was not just Louisiana back then. It was basically the entire middle third of the country. It was huge. So that's why, you know, even $250 million is a bargain for it. Then, uh, famously, in 1804, Lewis and Clark began, began their famous Western expedition, reaching the Pacific Ocean in 1805. Uh, forts were established in very nebulous territories. These are not states yet. They're all... No, they're territories. territories exactly. Throughout the Midwest and the West until the states started taking shape throughout the following decades. So, for example, Arkansas became the 25th state in 1836. Minnesota was the 32nd in 1858. And, in a surprising extreme westward jump, Oregon became the 33rd state in 1859, which is interesting. It went all the way out west, and maybe that's because of the Oregon Trail. I don't know. I didn't look into it. Nevada became the 36th state in 1864, but interestingly, Arizona, which neighbors uh, Nevada, would take much longer to become yeah, a state. Yeah, it wasn't until like the early 1900s, 1912. Right? It was yeah. the 48th state, yeah. the last of the contiguous United States, so I, I thought that was interesting. All right, so now we're going to merge our geography corner and our history corner. So the Colorado River's natural behavior over thousands of years and potentially millions, you know, before recorded history, Um, unless you think that the Earth is 6,000 years old, in which case... You're getting punchy again. Yeah. Now, (laughs) (laughs) 
so the, there, the Colorado River's natural behavior has been to flow in and out of what is now known as the Imperial Valley in modern California. So the Imperial Valley is in the extreme southern part of California, not too far from the Mexico border, um, a little north of Mexicali in Mexico. Uh, but it's central in California, east to west. Um, part of it is directly... Uh, east of San Diego, for example, and Carlsbad and that sort of area. Uh, It's south of Palm Springs and Joshua Tree National Park. So because the river flowed in and out of this area, uh, some years it would create a freshwater lake. Sometimes the water would be brackish and sometimes it would just be a completely dry basin. Uh, and this cycle repeated about every 400 to 500 years. So we're talking oh, like long okay. cycles, yeah. natural cycles of how the river kind of ebbed and flowed and how it behaved. So freshwater, saltwater, and just completely dry, which is really interesting. Um, the last of these natural cycles happened sometimes, sometime between 1600 and 1700. Uh, and then... The U.S. stepped in before the next natural cycle could be completed. So in 1901, a land speculator named William Beatty built the Alamo Canal to harness the power of the Colorado River for irrigation purposes. So in the late uh, 19th century, the Colorado River was eyed as a very important water source, especially for farming, right, for irrigation. The canal was named for the Alamo River, which got some of the overflow from the Colorado when it flooded. The canal was 14 miles, 23 kilometers long, and located in the Imperial Valley, but the majority of it was located in the southern part of the valley in Mexico, near Mexicali. A few years later, in 1905, the California Development Company created more irrigation canals into the Imperial Valley, but these canals were... um, often blocked by a silt buildup. Okay. So the, the water couldn't get through because of the silt. And uh, farmers... Uh, wait. I feel like I changed... This. Something? Yeah. Or meant to? Or did yeah. not? Yeah. Or was supposed to? Okay, here. Mm-hmm. There you I'll go. just keep going. Just roll with it. <laughs> I'll just roll with it, yeah. So farmers were not happy that these irrigation canals were getting blocked because that meant no water to their areas, right? So the California Development uh, Company made a breach in the bank of the Colorado River to increase the flow of water. However, this completely overwhelmed one of the canals, and for the next two years, while the breach was being repaired at the cost of $3 million, what had been a dry lake bed from the natural cycle of the Colorado River became a permanent body of water um, named the Salton Sea, which still remains to this day oh, in okay. the Imperial yeah. Valley. Now, around this time, electricity was really growing, right? And becoming yes. a thing, early 20th century. And the Edison Electric Company started eyeing the Colorado River for its potential ability to turn the power of water into electricity, hydroelectric power. One of the locations it was considering was Black Canyon. But... Edison Electric was in L.A., in Los Angeles, and the distance of electricity transmission at the time was really limited. Um, I think it was like 80 miles or something was the farthest they could really transport electricity over power lines. So it wasn't really a viable option for Edison Electric. Uh, 
But a few years later, the recently formed United States Bureau of Reclamation started looking at the same spot for the same reason, hydroelectric power. So the Bureau of Reclamation is part of the U.S. Department of the Interior that specifically manages water resources, especially including as they pertain to electricity production. So why are you smiling? That's nothing. It's... <laughs> I'm thinking back to when uh, Sarah Palin was a potential uh, nominee to run the Department of the Interior. Oh, Jesus Christ. Under our current administration. And she didn't know what the fuck it was. Oh, my God. Just just, just for fun. Um, that is on YouTube. This was like an interview she was doing, I think, on Fox News or something like that. Okay. And she was talking about, I think she thought it was, I think she thought it had something to do with, like, nuclear energy or something like that. And it's just like... No, that's 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 not what it is at all. Uh, you being a former governor should probably in Alaska, should no probably less. know that she's <laughs> she's in Alaska where there's a ton there's, of natural yes. land, uh, national parks, all sorts of things. Sorry, guys, my nose is running. I'm sure you needed to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ridiculous. At least she didn't think it was like interior decorating or something. She might have <laughs> at some Who point. Knows? <laughs> one of her advisors might have Ugh. talked her out of that one. Yeah. And the Bureau of Reclamation still runs Hoover Dam. Yes, they uh, do. Yeah, and, we and learned that when we were the there. They're the ones who carry on the tours and mm-hmm. everything. So that that was pretty interesting. I had actually never heard of the Bureau of Reclamation. I definitely heard of the Department of the Interior, but it's, never the, It's like a sub, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, a sub I had heard of it through, through Chad. Like, oh, okay, yeah, talking about it, yeah. Because he works in um, with the EPA and mm-hmm. environmentalism, yeah. So, a formal proposal was made to blast into the Boulder Canyon. So, Boulder Canyon, not Black Canyon. Mm-hmm. The initial, the initial uh, proposal was to be a little bit outside of Black Canyon, it, it, 20 miles specifically, 32 kilometers away from Black Canyon, and build a dam. Um, now, the dam would be used for flood control, because remember, the, uh, the Colorado River naturally floods, <clears throat> in this cycle, uh, this this centuries-long cycle, but also for harnessing it for hydroelectric power. And it was this proposal was considered for a number of years, but was rejected in 1922. <clears throat> so, in spite of this first plan falling through, the Bureau was still very much intrigued by the idea of using the Colorado River for hydroelectric power and to control the flooding. Arthur Powell Davis, the director of the Bureau of Reclamation, presented his own plan to Congress for building a dam at Black Canyon. So that was when they started eyeing Black Canyon instead of Boulder Canyon because it was found to be a better and more feasible site, even though they still referred to the proposal as the Boulder Canyon Project. And it was called Boulder Dam initially. So that's why, because that was sort of the genesis of it. And basically, this project entered a like development hell, <laughs> you know. Oh, how, sure. Yeah, it, most of them do. Yeah, right. Uh, there wasn't. Yeah, the, the finished products of any. Oh, especially a bureaucratic project right, is yeah. usually twenty, thirty years in the making. Minimal. Yeah. 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 Exactly. The problem was there wasn't much legislative guidance on how water was supposed to be allocated among the states because this. River affects affects seven states. They talked about that in the, in the tour as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so uh, 
it appeared that like the entire plan could just end up being litigated for years and years and years and just not really get resolved. Uh, So then Secretary of Commerce Herbert Hoover met with representatives of the seven states that were part of the Colorado River Basin to hash things out. So that's Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, Arizona, and California. Those are the seven states. Now, during the talks, it was agreed that the basin would be divided into two areas, the upper basin and the lower basin. Uh, The lower basin was going to be Nevada, California, and Arizona, and the other states would be the upper basin. And the agreement was to use data from rainfall in preceding years to allot the water to these two basins equally, was the idea. Sure. So it wasn't equal among the states, it was equal among the basins. Sure. So uh, the states participating were pretty eager to come to a resolution, and so they did agree to the terms in what became the Colorado River Compact on November 24th, 1922. Now, this was all well and good. Everyone was in agreement about allotment, but the proposed dam was a whole other to, story. still need to build the damn thing. <laughs> Ex- the you damn dam. Need to, you need to build the damn dam. The number of puns yeah. about dam. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this dam tour. Um, was There was a lot <laughs> when we went on it. So this would be a federally funded project, Mm -hmm. not just these seven states or even just Nevada and Arizona being involved. And not too many states in the union were terribly keen on spending a massive amount of money on a project that was seen as largely benefiting another part of the country. And more specifically, a lot of people were like, you know what, California is really going to be the main beneficiary of this. Um, So... Nobody was super happy with that. But events soon transpired that made some members of Congress more sympathetic. And in the process of learning this, there are two new disasters to add to our um, oh, list. Okay. <clears throat> so, the Mississippi. As, as if the list isn't long enough. Oh already. my God, serious. <laughs> the Mississippi River began flooding in late 1926 into 27 displacing hundreds of thousands of Americans and killing about 500 people. This was a massive flood, like all up and down the Mississippi River. This made Congress people from those affected states a lot more understanding about the possibility of the dam being built in the West for flood control, right? They were like, oh, okay, I get it, because look at all my constituents in my home state. Um, Jeez, wouldn't you know, until it it affects somebody personally... (laughs) They don't really give a shit. When there's this thing called empathy that you don't have to go through it yourself. Anyway. Then in 1928, the St. Francis Dam in Los Angeles failed. And that killed several hundred more people. I've heard of that. I had not. Yeah, I've heard of I had not heard of the Mississippi River thing, but I have heard of that one. So those incidents like made Congress a lot more open to the idea of this dam being built. So Congress did authorize a board of engineers for the proposed Black Canyon Dam to make sure that any dam constructed would not end up the way the St. Francis Dam did. So they were like, okay, we get the idea that you need flood control, but you need to build a good dam so that we don't end up with another catastrophe and disaster on our hands. Which is good. That's fantastic. And they uh, convened a board of engineers to do so. Why are you smiling? Just just continue on. Okay. 
<clears throat> so, with a more understanding Congress and proper recommendations on construction by the Board of Engineers, the last obstacles were removed to building the dam. So, on December 21st, 1928, President Calvin Coolidge signed the Boulder Canyon oh, Project right. Act. Okay, I mm-hmm. completely forget about that guy. I know. There are a few, like <laughs> Millard Fillmore. You know, well, he was way few. before, but Coolidge was at least in the 20th century, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because I always try to think of who uh, succeeded uh, Wilson. I believe it was Coolidge. Was it? Did he serve two terms? I think one. I don't remember. Anyway, oh, okay. Hoover would become president after this guy. Yes. Oh, yes. We know Hoover did become president, yeah. Um, so the the allocation for the the project was $165 million. Any guesses what that is today? Um, so we're talking roughly 100 years ago. Um, I'm going to put 28. that at, Yeah, a little, just less. Yeah, roughly. Um, I'm going to put it at three times what that was back then. So like half a billion or something? Yeah. $2.5 billion. Holy yeah. shit. That's a, that's a shit ton of money. <laughs> uh, so... At least a stipulation of this bill was that at least six of the seven states in the basins, the upper and lower basins that they had created with the compact, had to approve the project in order for it to go into effect. And that happened when Utah became the sixth state to ratify it in uh, the next year, I believe. I think it was early the next year, like within a few months. Interestingly, Arizona held out as the seventh state until 1944. Till well okay, after till this after all it was done. Built. Yeah. <laughs> so it was obviously just a name, basically. So. so this is a huge project. So designing the dam, especially to make sure that it was meeting the specifications as recommended by the Board of Engineers, took a while. And especially with the failure of the St. Francis Dam, everyone wanted to make sure that the new dam in Black Canyon wouldn't end up displacing and killing a whole bunch of people in the Southwest. So, unfortunately, the pressure of the water this dam would be designed to control was a level that had actually never been attempted. Mm -hmm. Uh, The maximum pressure would be 45,000 per square foot, which I have no point of reference for. It just sounds like a lot. (laughs) So the engineers designing the dam... uh, were proceeding with extreme caution and they were planning in a really conservative way. Nobody's ever done this before. Right. But they were planning for like worst case scenarios, which is good. And that was That's how you should plan for something like this. The disaster part of this story has nothing to do with the planning. This was well well planned. Well engineered. Um, Theories of design, because these were all theories. They had never had to, to build something like this. But they were checked, double-checked, tested on small scales, uh, extrapolated to a larger scale. And the eventual design agreed upon was an arch-gravity-style dam, sometimes called a gravity-arch-style dam, which predictably merges the concepts of both arch and gravity dams. So an arch dam is a concrete dam, so like a giant concrete wall, basically, that curves into the flow of the stream of a river, so um, upstream. Mm-hmm. So it's like an upside-down U, or arch, <laughs> into the flow of the water. So the um, that makes sense because if you picture an arch, like the top of the arch, the strongest point of it is 
hitting the most, um, the highest velocity water. Sure. I would think. That's a terrible way to explain it. Sounds sounds good to me. Now, a gravity dam uses incredibly strong and heavy masonry material, well-grounded in a solid foundation to stop the flow of water through the use of its own weight. So uh, this is a super old style of dam to the point that there is um, record of a gravity dam completely uncemented because at the time built before 400 BCE in Egypt that lasted um, at least 450 years. So this is a strong, this is a strong and well-proven style of dam. So the idea of the boulder dam was to use the strength of construction of a gravity dam, but use it in a shape of an arch dam. So the theory was that the gravity dam would likely be sufficient. So they didn't necessarily have to build it in an arch, but the arch construction was basically their failsafe. Sure. The backup. Sure. Um, so that was that was why they decided on merging the two. The final design for the dam was super detailed, like a hundred pages long, multiple illustrations, and the public could actually buy it. <laughs> like a copy. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. It, now, <clears throat> this project... That would have been kind of cool if they'd had that. Right? The, they, maybe they did. We kind of... Yeah, it was... We were nearing the end of our tour, needing to get back on the tour bus yeah. um, by the time we got to the visitor center thing. Yeah. So this project would be a huge get for any construction company, oh, right? yeah. We're talking billions. So lots of contractors wanted to land it. And the government did not make the bidding process very easy. Any company wanting to bid on this project would have to put up a $2 million bond to bid. Now, that's the modern equivalent of $33.5 million just to bid and not be guaranteed at all that you would get this contract. Now, whoever was granted the contract had to put up front themselves a $5 million bond, which is $83.5 million. And then they would be required to finish the project within seven years or start racking up penalties. So this was a very... um, I want to say this was heavily regulated, but it's not... (laughs) So many people wouldn't have died if it was. It's more the um, the the details as they pertained to the finances and the timeline were very, um, very strict. Yes. And the design, too. Now, the major upfront funding was a big burden for most construction construction companies that had a strong desire to bid for this basically once-in-a-lifetime project. Well, that was probably part of the point. Yes. To weed out Exactly, the little guys, right? Yeah. So as a result, in the end, only three companies bid. Um, Okay. Now, one of these companies was called Six Companies Incorporated. So very creatively, six individual construction companies who each wanted the contract decided to go in on it together, form one company, pool their resources to be able to bid on the project. So that's what six companies was, which they did talk about Mm -hmm. um, on the tour. These companies were all located in the West. So these are all Western companies. They put in a bid of 48. So this is what they're saying it would cost for them to build it. $48,890,955, which is 
$816,653,307 today. So a bit shy of a billion. And this bid was $5 million less than the next highest bidder. So they basically won the contract because they were the lowest bidder. So construction on the new Boulder Dam began in April 1931. So I didn't go into the history of this era too much because we definitely covered it in the Dust Bowl episode, right? Yeah. But remember, this is 1931. um, And in fact, while this was all being planned, designed, and approved was right around the crash of the stock market. So this was all happening at the the very beginning of the Great Depression. So in in spite of that, the government was moving forward on this project. Uh, So when a giant construction project is starting in a kind of less populated part of the country, there's obviously a need for like hundreds and thousands of workers. So specifically... In this case, thousands. Yes, yes. Specifically, the the most workers who are working on the dam at once was about 5,000 in 1934. And it's estimated that there were about 21,000 total workers who worked. Not, not at once, but, you know, over time. Now, this was the first time in the history of public construction that the federal government actually mandated diversity in hiring practices, requiring that at least some number of African Americans be hired as workers on the dam. So as a... Uh, yeah, it can't just be the poor Irishman coming off the boat. <laughs> well, but here's the, here's the flip side of it. As cool as that seems, um, we can't give them too much credit because it's important to note that Chinese people were very specifically excluded from participating in the project. Well, so. that's okay. We we made them build the Transcontinental Railroad, so... <laughs> Again, we're shit to people. We are just so shit to people. Anyway. They were like, they were like we already used the Chinamen for this thing. Let's put the blacks in on this one. <sighs> and so, the poor Irishmen. Yeah. So as a result, thousands of Americans poured into the area to work on the dam. Some of the workers started making their way west well before construction began. Some basically started migrating right after the crash in the very beginning sure. of the depression um, because it was like, Hey, this might be our one shot to work and actually make money. So it was kind of like another gold rush. In I, a well, way, right? I, I was just going to say, I want to say that the California gold rush and not like it was in the late 1800s, but mm-hmm. I think that is still going on at this point. Really? Yes, I think so. People are literally panning for gold? I'm pretty sure. Not in the way that they were when it first started, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that that, that was still going on at well, this point. Well, s- migration, uh, a big part of human migration has always been to get away from bad circumstances and try to find oh, hope, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, that's kind of the whole point, so. Yeah, that's why I left Messina. <laughs> 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 Poor Messina. Um, so... Before the start of construction, thousands of job seekers had applied or sent letters of inquiry for employment. Those who moved out west uh, either lived in Las Vegas mm-hmm. or in temporary tent communities in shanty towns. Uh, Las Vegas itself saw a huge population increase. So at the time, it was literally a tiny little desert town of about 5,000 people. Yeah, it was nothing. Mm-hmm. 
And after the bill got the bill to build the dam got signed, the population grew to as much as 20,000. Yeah. So quadrupled within a couple of years. The Bureau of Reclamation and six companies knew there needed to be proper housing for the workers, not only from a practical perspective, but for the sake of the project not getting a bad reputation for providing poor living conditions for the workers, resulting in an unstable workforce and bad publicity. Plus, we're talking early 20th, well, early-ish 20th century. And the early 20th century... First half of the 20th century. Yeah, the early 20th century is when the labor movement really gain steam. Yes. So this is this is not like we're in the Industrial Revolution era where workers had no rights, there were no unions, etc. There were definitely unions at this point. So about six miles from the site and 26 miles or 42 kilometers southeast of Las Vegas, they literally built a city from the ground up, which we drove through, mm-hmm. uh, named Boulder City. And because the project was going to take years, like projected to be seven years, it had to be a secure place for people to live on a long-term basis. It couldn't be just a shanty town, right? Initial plans for the city were drawn up by Denver architect S.R. DeBoer, but he had like a super progressive design, very nice. His concept was oasis in the desert. He wanted greenery, concentric circle designs, like it was gorgeous, right? Um... Uh, but it was considered ridiculous <laughs> Can, given the time constraints and the cost. So they basically went with a much more slapdash design, resulting in very generic row ho- or rows yeah, of houses. Essentially project <clears throat> Right. Yeah. Dorms for single men in a dining hall. So. Yeah. Because well, remember... It's, it's practical. It, yes. Remember, it wasn't just the workers who were moving here. They were bringing families. families yeah. You know, so... Unfortunately, construction on Boulder City started the same year as the dam began construction. So it wasn't completed until 1932. So as a result, most workers remained in the tent cities and shanty towns at the beginning of the dam construction. About a mile from the dam site was a particularly notorious encampment, technically called Williamsville, but most of those living there called it Ragtown because of the horrible living conditions, which included no running water or sanitation. So it was just really horrible. Uh, Even those who would eventually come to live in Boulder City still had to put up with the particularly harsh conditions of living in the desert. Yeah. Especially in the summers. when And remember, in the summer, like we said and we experienced, temperatures are routinely in triple digits Fahrenheit, like 115 or better at times. It's fucking unbearable. It is incredibly hot. And these are the days before sunscreen Mm -hmm. and... um, Chapstick. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe Chapstick was around. Maybe. <laughs> Vaseline was, probably. Yeah. And um, uh, what do they call The sun protection shirts and oh, yeah, all the technology f- we've got of, now. None of that. They had hats and yeah. maybe long sleeves and that was it was cotton. <laughs> it was probably like the, yeah, the... It was probably made out of wool. Right? So that was kind of the best it got. Death Valley, which is near to this area, is the hottest place in the world. Yeah, there was no uh, there was no Under Armour uh, performance uh, uh, gear back in 1931. Wicking fabric. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. nobody even knew what the fuck yeah. that was. So a few months into construction, the International Workers of the World, a labor, a very controversial labor union, also known as the Wobblies. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've heard of them before. Yeah. Sent organizers to the dam site to work on unionizing. The workers sent them away because they're like, look, you guys are too radical for us, too controversial. We don't want to be associated with you. But they did create their own labor committee because wages were slashed in August of 1931. So people's pay were, pay was getting cut. The lowest paid workers made 50 cents an hour, which is the equivalent of 835 today, which sadly is more than minimum wages right now. Um, hashtag uh, living wage, right? Raise the minimum wage. And the highest paid workers made $1.25 an hour, which is about $20.88 an hour today. So we're not talking great pay, but we're not talking bad, horrible pay, I guess. But the conditions oh, that they're I mean, having to put up the, with is pretty horrific. That's, that's in my ballpark, so. The, the high end, yeah. yeah but um, And those were the shovel operators, for what it's worth, who were paid that. The work, according to the Bureau of Reclamation, that I took directly from a sign that I took a picture of Mm. at the uh, visitor center. So within two, so, okay, uh, the workers and the management clashed because management was like, no way, we're not raising your pay. And that led management to stop construction. So it was basically a lockout. So it was a lockout, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to a strike. And they told the entire workforce, well, guess what? We're laying you all off. And we're going to hire a whole bunch of new people because there's plenty of people who want these jobs. Um, that didn't really happen. They they uh, stopped the lockout after a couple of days, uh, and sort of the because well, the thing has to get done in a certain yeah. timeline. So the quote settlement was: Look, we're not going to raise your wages back up, but we promise not to cut them anymore. Yeah, and we'll, so that's and what they went with. We'll give you an extra loaf of bread a week. Mm-hmm. So and maybe a water. So fortunately, things got at least a little better for a lot of the workers because that the following year, Boulder City was complete. So at least they weren't living in shanty towns anymore, you know. All right. So the construction of the dam had some phases to it. Obviously, this is an enormous project. So first, the Colorado River just had to be diverted from the dam site, mm-hmm. right? Because they had to build dry, not underwater. So to accomplish this, and we saw this whole thing. This is yes, fascinating. We did. Yeah. <clears throat> they built four gigantic underground tunnels. And when we say gigantic, They're these things are huge. fucking huge. I have a picture of mm-hmm. one of these giant holes. 56 feet in diameter, which yeah. is 17 meters. It looked like you were staring into like a black hole. Yes. Like I felt like I was yes. going to get sucked into the thing mm-hmm. when we were driving past it, like on the bus. I yes. was, it was kind of scary. <laughs> it was a little bit like a giant wormhole. Something like that. Some yeah, monster to That's kind of what it looks like. Poke out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Sarlacc pit monster was down there somewhere. <laughs> What's that from? That's uh, from Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. So there were five people will get that. <laughs> Our friend Rachel from yours and murder would. <laughs> she will get it. Um, so there were two of these giant tunnels on the Nevada side and two on the Arizona side. And uh, yeah, they're huge. They're really impressive. And they run around the dam and the dam site at the time to take the water of the river past the site. So they're not they they couldn't just literally stop the flow of the river. That's no. not how rivers work. They had to divert They had to divert it, exactly. And um, the construction of these tunnels involved a lot of blasting. There's so much dynamite involved in this construction. They had to blast into the canyon walls, and then workers had to work inside these tunnels where temperatures could reach 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. 
And carbon monoxide mm. could build up to very dangerous levels. Well, because of the yeah, because of the trucks and stuff that they were using. And the blasting, the- yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I can't that just that sounds horrific. I believe it was on the states got their shapes. Either that or it was a documentary, a standalone documentary that the History Channel did on the building of this that I mm-hmm. know a lot of this from, like the building of it. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, it's pretty astounding. Now, just building these tunnels. We haven't even started off no, the dam. No, we haven't even started the dam yet. Took over a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the river was finally diverted about a year and a half after construction began in November of 1932. And they also used the excavated rock from the tunnels to create an upper and lower coffer dam that were responsible for diverting the water into mm-hmm. the tunnels. So um, now the the reason for this, like, Massive amount of diversion. They had to be careful that the workers didn't get flooded either, oh, right? Yeah, so yeah. The, the dams had to also be um, strong, and th- this was this was um, a dangerous project. Anyway, you cut it, you know, even with even if you had today's technology, this would still oh, it was be dangerous a dangerous either pro- way. Project, yeah. yeah. Well, any any building project is dangerous. That's still, true. Today. But especially such a massive yeah. thing when you're dealing with so many natural mm-hmm. elements. The the it's, canyon. It's rock, less dangerous the, now than it used to yes, be. But it's absolutely. still dangerous. Yes. So the next step was to clear the area where the dam would actually be built. So the the floor dried up, right? Because the um Riverbed or the river is being diverted, mm-hmm. so the riverbed is and the is floor dried up. up rather quickly, I believe. Okay, I, I did not look into that. Um, so, but to make sure the dam, remember, it's a partially part of it is a gravity dam. It has to be built on a very solid foundation, and a solid foundation is not a riverbed. You have to get down to the bedrock. So a lot of it had to be cleared out, and so did the walls, the canyon walls. So that was the next step. And clearing the canyon walls was extremely treacherous work. The workers who did this job, who were called high scalers, had to be lowered down these canyon walls with ropes, wielding jackhammers and dynamite. No <laughs> oh fucking thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? And we're not talking about like it's some sophisticated thing. No, it was literally two I guys. Two guys from the top, one guy on either side holding a rope, and you're literally sitting on uh, like a two by four. Right, mm-hmm. being lowered down. To yeah, the can- being lowered down on a yeah. With nothing like no. securing you. No. Nope. With a giant jackhammer and, looking and down dynamite. hundreds of feet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so this was all super dangerous, and a number of deaths occurred from people being hit by falling rock for one thing as well as workers falling mm. to their deaths. So, yeah, that was definitely a uh, cause of death for many people. Interestingly, I also read that hard hats were provided. It was kind of the early days of hard hats. Um, people probably didn't want to wear them. Though, yeah, not everyone so used them. And some, some workers kind of improvised their own version where they took pieces of cloth, put tar on it. Oh, sure. And yeah. then let it dry and put that on their heads. Yeah. So, anyway... No, where yeah. like where I had to work tonight, where we had to dump a bunch of the raw material, mm-hmm. I'm dumping it into um, a boiler that the water in it was f- 50 degrees Celsius. 
Okay. So I'm standing over it for about an hour and a half, having to dump the raw material into there. Yeah. The whole time, obviously having to wear a hard hat and gloves. It. By the time I took my hat, hard hat uh-huh. off, like a bunch of just water just dumped oh. out of it. <laughs> but I like I wanted to take it off so sure. bad because it was so fucking hot standing over that. But you can't. But obviously, you can't. you can't. No. Um, but these guys obviously could. This They're is like, before OSHA. Yes. This is well before. <laughs> so. This is well before common sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, or I should say rather after all this, on the canyon floor, once it was cleared out to the bedrock, workers began construction of the dam, the power plant. Remember, this is all, or a large portion of this is about hydroelectric power. Yes. And four large towers, which we saw, which was Mm -hmm. very cool, that were used to divert the water into the power plant to be harnessed to create electricity. Um all share a whole bunch of, basically, this is going to turn into, like, David and Rachel's vacation pictures <laughs> that I'll share on social media. Um, but it really is. A, it's impressive. It's fascinating. Like, it really is being there. It's just like. it's and like everything is just it's enormous. Just, it's just like, wow. It's like, how do you how do you build this? Let alone in the 30s. I was going to say, let alone almost 100 years ago. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. And it was so fucking high up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 726 feet mm-hmm. at the top. Yeah. Oh. So, to stabilize the bed of the dam, the the riverbed, uh, grout was used to fill in any gaps, right? To make sure that it wasn't just a bunch of cracks in there. Now, little side note. Disturbingly, uh, this practice of filling in cracks in the grout, as well as the dam itself, continued until the late 40s. (laughs) Secretly. Basically, leaks would spring, and they're like, shit, let's, let's fill oh, this up. Well, sure. So that continued for years. Sure. <laughs> but fortunately, nothing nothing bad has happened at the Hoover Dam as far as uh, it failing goes. So anyway. In fact, um, I did read that even today, it's looked back on as, wow, they really knew what they were doing, and this is a very stable dam. Mm-hmm. They say they still, they, they there are very few cracks in it. And this, like you said, almost 100 years later, so... Um, On June 6th, 1933, the actual pouring of concrete began, which was a full 18 months ahead of schedule. When was the last time you heard that a construction project was running a year and a half ahead? Never. That's just wild. A year and a half behind is pretty stupid. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, how long have they been talking about developing the Wegmans uh, complex down the road? Well, that's still (laughs) caught in the bureaucracy. Once they... Break ground. I don't think it's taken that long. True. Fair enough. I that's, mean, that's they true. build shit around here. Every time we go fucking downtown, there's a it's new something true. that You're wasn't right there just that. a couple months ago. The construction itself usually goes pretty quick. You're <laughs> yeah. Right. I did see. It appears they're surveying over there. Yes, so I saw that too. Be, yeah, we might be getting close. Anyway, we're very excited because we might be getting Wegmans down the road. They just need to build sidewalks. Yes. <laughs> Raleigh's not great with sidewalks. No. Okay. Not a very walkable city. No. Vegas is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So because of the massive amount of concrete being used to construct the dam, so this means nothing other than it's just massive. It was 3.25 million cubic yards or six and a half million tons. Just, just, and if you look at it, you see it's just concrete, concrete, concrete. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but because there was so much. 700 feet high. Yeah. Because there was so much concrete, there were major concerns about cooling 
the concrete to create a stable structure. Because this amount of concrete was expected, if it was going to be allowed to dry naturally, to take 125 years to dry, which means it would still be drying today, Yes, which is amazing. So they had to come up with an alternative, and they came up with a pretty interesting solution. They poured concrete in individual sections, mm-hmm. so it was section by section, <clears throat> that, and each section contained pipes through which naturally cool river water would flow through, followed by refrigerated water, thereby cooling the concrete basically from the inside mm-hmm. out, which was They very show that process in that documentary. I, I wish I could just look up like History Channel... Um, Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam duck. Mm. It's, it was either on the, how the states got their shapes or it was a standalone, but they showed how that it literally went up. The concrete was poured like frame by frame. Yes. It's like, it's like a block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, um, they used grout for yes. the, the gas. Just, yes. And to fill in the pipes mm-hmm. too, so that there weren't just hollow pipes in between. Yeah. And plus they had to smooth it all out too. That yes. was a whole, that was a whole process. Yep. There were concrete workers mm-hmm. doing that. Yep. And each, uh, so each section was being cooled individually yes. to avoid any further expanding, contracting, or shifting, major shifting. So now the concrete was mixed on site and hoisted in gigantic buckets, seven feet by seven, seven feet tall by seven feet in diameter. So it's 2.1 meters and delivered to the individual block sites via thick aerial cables, which we did see in the nope. dam. That was very interesting. Now, there's lots of rumors, or historical rumors, that people got trapped in the concrete when it poured. So, like, ooh, how many bodies are buried at Hoover Dam? Um, I'm going to go with at least one. Well, so, it's actually super unlikely, and here's why. Sure. Each individual bucket, though massive, was filling a massive form of, of block of concrete, right? Um, so, each bucket only added an inch of height. Oh, okay. So it wouldn't be terribly likely that someone would go drowning in an inch of concrete. I mean, not that it all, like, was hard. It's it's true that it could be, like, wet all, all the way through. But, like, a whole bunch of people would have to just watch somebody drown in concrete and be like, eh, okay. This is, it doesn't seem likely. Plus... They were just like, it's, it's one of the black guys, whatever. <laughs> well... Plus, there were inspectors, and that would have actually um, been a compromise to the structural integrity of each block if something happened, if, if there was a body in there. So, it, that all that to say, it's not terribly likely that there are people trapped in the cement. That's all. Not that it's impossible, but it's just not very likely. So, anyway... So all told, the construction was extremely efficient, both in time and cost. In a rare construction feat, the dam was completed um, in about, it, it was technically like by the, the dam was completed in four years. The whole thing was completed in about five. Um, the final bit of concrete for the dam was poured 726 feet above the floor of the canyon in 1935. So remember, it was supposed to take seven years. Mm-hmm. They finished a solid two years, everything, a solid two years um, ahead of schedule. 10,000 people showed up to the dedication of the dam on September 30th, 1935, where President Roosevelt dedicated it. 
and remember this was called the Boulder Dam at the time. Mm-hmm. It was the resolution in 1947 renamed it the Hoover Dam to uh, recognize Herbert Hoover's contributions to getting the seven states to agree to it in mm-hmm. the first place. So now the power plant was still under construction at this point, but the dam itself was finished and the rest of the site wrapped up in the spring of 1936. So like I said, still within five years. Further, it was completed on budget. Again, a very rare feat. So um, not only that, but through power generation, the dam paid for its own construction within 50 years by 1980. I remember they said that on the mm-hmm. tour, yeah. With the amount of money it brought in. So it was financially efficient, too. Oh, yeah. So the enormity of this site can really be appreciated when you visit. Like, it's... It's huge. Like we said, it's huge. And especially for the time, it was a huge engineering and construction feat. The dam itself is 726 feet high or 221.4 meters. The crest, the thinnest part at the top, is 45 feet wide or 14 meters wide. And at the base, it's 660 feet wide or 200 meters. Lake Mead, which is a man-made reservoir at the top, of the dam has a surface area of 247 square miles or 640 square kilometers and a maximum depth of 590 feet or 180 meters. So this is just... Yeah, it's, it's massive. It is massive. Yeah. It is absolutely massive. And uh, we did get to go inside. I didn't mention the power plant much here, but we did get to go down into uh, the power plant, which was some 500, 500 plus feet below. Feet below. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, had, we took this very fast elevator down with a whole bunch of people. And they uh, specifically warned that if you're claustrophobic, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> because it is pretty... Yeah. yeah. So now we'll get into the deaths. So it's all well and good. The Hoover Dam is an amazing structure, completed early, within budget, paid for itself, very successful as a power plant, provides water and power to the Southwest, it's a tourist destination. Everything is fantastic, right? Well, (laughs) it cost a bunch of human lives in the process. So the first death associated with the dam actually occurred almost a decade before construction began. So on May 15th, 1922, a surveyor named Harold Connolly was scoping out the general area upstream of the eventual dam site, but it was still related to the project because he was working on surveying for the dam. He fell off the barge. He was on how, I don't know, and he drowned in the Colorado River. Later the same year, on December 22nd, 1922, Another surveyor, an employee of the Bureau of Reclamation named J.G. Tierney, was, again, scouting for the ideal spot um, for the dam, this time in Black Canyon, in a barge going down the Colorado River, fell off and drowned. I don't know I, I don't why. know how you fall off a barge. That does. <laughs> Maybe there weren't railings at the time. I have I no idea. Well, they anyway. probably didn't have life vests at the time. They're probably like, who needs one of those? I guess. But, I uh, guess. And then, and and in a powerful river like the Colorado, oh yeah, you know, that, that could happen pretty quick. So now, during the construction of the dam, there were officially ninety-six recorded deaths on site, most of whom were workers, obviously. So. Uh, although I think um, some inspectors were also included in that number. Yeah, that, that doesn't Because anyone me. on the site sure. was in danger, right? Oh, yeah. So these people mostly died of falling, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. drowning. Because, mm-hmm. oh. you know, there's still water involved uh, in certain areas. 
explosions, mm-hmm. right? Lots of dynamite, falling rocks, falling people, falling on people. Asphyxiation. Yep. And industrial accidents related to equipment, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they're using a lot of heavy machinery, um, just like any other plant. Which, which at the time, I don't know if you saw any of the photos in the visitor center. At the time, what was considered heavy machinery... Right. <laughs> it looks like something. It looked like something out of um, fucking Mad Max. Is, oh, is, is what <laughs> steampunk, it looked like. very, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Well, they had this one truck barge. Did yes. you see that? We're going to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, All we'll right. talk about it. That yeah. thing was pretty interesting to to see. What was it called? Let me see. Um, hold on, I put this in here. Wait. Oh yeah, jumbo rigs. Yes. That's, yes. Yes. That's yes. What they I'm, were. I'm just about to get to that. Okay. So. Um, so the, that official death toll is 96. The problem with that is those were the people who literally were declared dead on the site. What Mm -hmm. it does not take into account was the people who died in the hospital, Mm -hmm. um, who actually survived for a little bit before dying. Um, and those people obviously were people who were injured from any one of those causes. They're like, we won't count those. It's the hospital's (laughs) fault. Exactly. Well, they also, it would be bad publicity, right? Both to the workforce and to the project itself. Um, but also there were heat related illnesses. Oh, of course. uh, Yes. Because of how hot it was. Pneumonia. Carbon monoxide poisoning, Mm -hmm. uh, and just any other injury where they didn't die on site. It also doesn't take into account any deaths that resulted from the living conditions of any of the workers or any of their family members. Obviously, it was not very sanitary. I'm sure people died of, like, fucking dysentery or whatever. So, uh, like... The probably deaths related few, yeah, probably to the construction, yeah, could have be been pretty high, yeah. Or ridiculous things like how the workers sometimes got to the dam site by driving on jumbo rigs. So these were wild, tricked out old school pickup trucks with layers and layers of scaffolding, on like top rickety, of the rickety wooden truck. scaffolding. Yes. So literally dozens of people were riding on this rickety oh, scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. It was literally like 50 <laughs> down dudes. Down to a work site. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All with drills and fucking dynamite yes. in their hand. Yes. Again, it, what could possibly go wrong? It's, it's, the pictures are really, yeah. I was just really like, amazing. What? When I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck is this thing? It was like, oh, it's, what is it mm-hmm. called again? Jumbo rig. Yeah. I was just like, what the hell is this? It like, was like, such a terrible idea. Like, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> a bunch of young guys in the I, 30s. Yeah, you know? I guess. Now, per our tour guide at the dam, who's who who definitely told a tall tale about something that I'll tell you in a minute. Um, uh, so take this for what you will. But it's thought that the real death toll is somewhere between 300 and 500 people, though, to be honest. There's really no way to no, know. No, nobody knows. No way to, to be sure, but it sounds like it was in the hundreds of people. So, and obviously, it wasn't well-tracked and not highly publicized. And uh, further, um, while there are memorials, which I'll get to in just a second, uh, they don't. you don't want to visit the Hoover, or the Bureau of Reclamation doesn't want you to visit the Hoover Dam and then be like, so think of the hundreds of people who died in horrible ways while you're looking at this beautiful site. <laughs> so, uh, now... They're like, here's a plaque behind, like, a really cool-looking statue, and maybe you'll see it. Right. Yeah. So, in an 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we got pictures of it. We so do. We, we, again, we did I'll see share it. those. Yeah. <laughs> so in an odd twist of fate, this is really interesting. I can't. I don't know why they didn't tell us this. This is this is super interesting. The last recorded death relate recorded again related to the Hoover Dam was on December twentieth, nineteen thirty five. Now, if you'll remember, what? Just maybe it was December twenty second. Anyway, <laughs> it was literally um, thirteen years to the day. After J.G. Tierney, one of the surveyors, mm-hmm. fell off the barge and died, okay. like literally to the day, um, uh, someone else fell from one of the, or someone <laughs> fell from one of the four intake towers and died. And that was the last recorded death. That's not the, the weirdest part. The weirdest part is who it was. Who was it? Patrick Tierney, J.G. Tierney's son. Oh. Died exactly 13 years to the day. No shit. After his dad. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's kind of creepy. It is very creepy. Now, there is a (laughs) memorial on the site of the Hoover Dam, which we saw. It features, it's like a big plaque. It features a man rising from the sea with outstretched arms. And then, like, someone who appears to be sort of drowning in the water below as, because this is, again, a memorial to the dead. Now, here's where I call BS on our tour guide. He claimed that this second man, the drowning man, is photoshopped out of most pictures online. Because the, um, the he actually said this. You were off remember. on, yeah. yeah. Um, he said that that was like a conspiracy attempt to gloss over the deaths and not make it too morbid or whatever. That's total BS. Every picture I found online of it included the drowning man. So he okay. was just being dramatic. <laughs> he specifically said that the photos on Wikipedia and stuff photoshopped it out. They do not. It's, okay. it's in there. So anyway. <laughs> maybe, maybe they had the last time you checked it. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, so the memorial has a large title that reads, They Died to Make the Desert Bloom. It has two plaques that flank it, one on the left, one on the right. The one on the left says, The United States of America will continue to remember that many who toiled here found their final rest while engaged in the building of this dam. And the one on, I, I read this on my little picture. Mm-hmm. Took. The one on the right says, the United States will continue to remember the services of all who labored to clothe with substance the plans of those who first visioned the building of this dam. And that, my friends, is the story of building the Hoover Dam and the who knows how many hundreds of people who died doing it. 96 officially. Nine, 96 officially, 112 accepted, and then more likely three to 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to be there. It, w- it was. It I, was I hope, very I hope anybody listening who wants to go, uh, we Gets highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, it is It is really a bucket list item, I would say. Yeah. Like of places in the world to visit. It wasn't as cool as Planet 13, but it was, <laughs> but it was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, the Hoover Dam was definitely way cooler Thank than Planet you. 13. <laughs> If they had had a Planet 13 at the Hoover Dam, it would have made it even better. <laughs> you really just wanted to be high at Hoover Dam, didn't you? I just wanted to go to a weed store. <laughs> and, I, and I finally made that. I finally, you were so happy. Because when we went to California for our honeymoon, it even though they even though they had legalized it, it well, wasn't... Well, it was going into effect the following the year. The following year. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you were really upset about it. I was. I was not happy about that. <laughs> I would. We would have gone somewhere else had, they, had I known that in advance. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I wanted to go to it's San Diego. Ridiculous. But uh, but no, the it was really. I didn't really expect to be like as blown away by it as I was. Mm-hmm. I was just because I mean everybody's seen hundreds of pictures about of it mm-hmm. and stuff. But it, you don't get it the does, scale. No, you do not get the scale. When you're standing on top of the damn thing and looking down, the damn damn, and it's just like. Like, really, the first thing, like, how the fuck do you build? Like, how do you even plan it? How do you think of it? Yeah. (laughs) How do you do it? I guess that's why I'm not an engineer. Yeah, exactly. Or or an architect. Yeah. Or somewhat of significance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can't do any of those things. It was, it's a, I mean, there, there's certain things where, I, I mean, I think humanity is kind of stupid overall, but <laughs> and we fuck over so many things. But it's in, it, it was really cool to see something that we got right. Mm-hmm. Now that's the problem is that we did it at a huge cost to humanity too because of the hundreds of people who who died. Um, but it's actually a very successful construction project overall and oh, engineering yeah. feat. Yes, and. Like I said, the theory behind the design was completely unproven. The dam proved these theories mm-hmm. of, of engineering. So that makes it very remarkable, too. Well, I mean, think about how far technology has come mm-hmm. since the building of this. Think about how, just think of how many things have been built. Significant sure. buildings have mm-hmm. been built since this thing, and it still is... It's in great shape, basically. And it's, it's still, like, in the forefront of people's minds as yeah. far as... An engineering feat, mm-hmm. and it was almost a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's I I wouldn't necessarily put it up there with like the uh, um the the pyramids in Egypt, or right? Like that. Right. But it's pretty fucking close. I mean, it, it, it's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely, because there are plenty more like huge, tall buildings or whatever, and those are big feats too. It's just that we have the technology and the knowledge yeah, and the ability now that nowadays, to do it that's much nothing. easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there hasn't been. Well, I mean, there there isn't necessarily need. Well, there probably is somewhere in the world. There hasn't been another Hoover Dam built or, Not any, really, or no. anything like it. No, really. it's kind. It's unique too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very unique. So. So like I said, this was kind of an odd topic in that it was more of a history thing than a tragedy. Um, but because of the number of people who died, I thought it was at least tangential, tangentially related. Yeah. Well, it's significant. I mean, that is a yes, lot of people. It is very significant. And I think it's important to remember yes. that in the, in the shadow of like, human ingenuity and ability it also took human sacrifices to that's make. in just about any project really. well like like it's similar to um we did the apollo one fire mm-hmm. the apollo program was ultimately hugely successful we mm-hmm. literally managed to put the first people on the moon unless you think it was a sound stage which i don't <laughs> but um but it it cost three people their lives. It did in a really awful way. Well, it cost more. That was just in that fire. It cost other test pilots their lives. Um, oh yeah, fair enough. Um, I want to say eh, there were like one or two test pilots that died mm-hmm. um, doing that too. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if so, there. It, sad to say. As far as engineering goes, mm. if you if you and feats of science and things, if like you're that. going to achieve something on such a scale, unique or something 
mm-hmm. uh, completely never tried before, never done before. It's going to cost people's lives. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's yeah. going to. So I, I kind of view the people who died at the Hoover Dam very similarly in the like the people who died in at NASA or involved in the Apollo program in that they they knew what they were doing was risky, but first of all, they did it, you know, as something that was hugely beneficial for a huge portion of the United States. You know, all the people in the Southwest hugely benefited from the dam for the flood control and for the power. And I, I then mean, I would have to say the whole thing was worth it. Mm, that I, that's that's a hard thing to to quantify. But anyway, sure. Um, and then that they made that sacrifice for their families too, because they they literally in a really um, horrible time for financially, economically, um, and with jobs in the country, they took a big risk by saying, "Let's come on, let's go, let's go out west. Let's I'm going to take this job. I know it's dangerous, go west, young man. Yeah, I know it's dangerous, um, but I'm going to do it anyway and provide for my family. That's really noble. And I think that, but I also think that was just kind of the mentality of the workforce a hundred years ago. True. There, there was a lot of, it's not like it is today, sort of the nobility of the working man. Right. It is. It it's kind of a, um, I mean, yes, it, it, it is. Working it is person. It's noble to us now. Um, it was just kind of considered at, what you did back at back the time. The it was just like, that's just what you, what do. you do. Work yeah. ethics were very different back then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, fortunately, we've got much better working conditions today, which we do deserve. Humanity deserves better working conditions and not... Well, that depends on who you ask. Well, (laughs) if you ask me, every worker deserves um, safe conditions, fair pay, livable pay, um, and dignity. That's that's my opinion about orcas. Mm, that sounds like a unicorn. I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, and also not to have to worry about paying for health care. Yeah, yeah, we're not getting there either. Oh, you're right. You know what? It's it's such it's too big of a scale. It's not financially feasible. Nobody's ever done it. No, no. But anyway, before we go into another political rant. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. It's um, so funny because I'm getting more and more caffeinated throughout this whole thing. You're fading and fading more. We are on such opposite schedules right now, and mm-hmm. I need to go into work. And I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get up and go to work at 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so bizarre. It is It is really bizarre. I've never worked overnights before, yeah. but that's not that bad. I'll get used to it. So hopefully we'll be back to normal form <laughs> next next week but hopefully you guys enjoyed this more historic episode of all bad things yes and this has been another episode of all bad things that was the hoover dam and the, the hoover dam and the desk that surrounded it mm-hmm. i'm david <laughs> i'm rachel we'll see you next week